Thank you. I take it. Thank you, Russ. Oh, it's been quite a time. I was here last time, but it seems like yesterday. Uh, we changed a little bit. You didn't, I did. Uh, gained some weight. I'm fighting with that, but keep praying, keep praying. Uh, first of all, I bring you warm greetings from Poland, from Novogard Church, from my daughter Hannah, whom you met, and uh, some of you, my friends on Facebook, so you can go through and see all the activities we do in, in Poland, and it's a lot of uh, things changed since I was here last time. Uh, but some things are not changed. Just behind you can see the picture of my family, and uh, Jonathan is 21, studying as he chosen to study the alternative sources of energy in agriculture, whatever it means. Uh, <laughs> And, and Hannah, Hannah is studying at the University of Szczecin, and she chose in, uh, mathematics instead of being a dentist, which I'm very sorry. I need a dentist, not a mathematic. <laughs> Mathematician. Sorry for my English, that's another thing I want to say. Anyway, uh, we're doing well. Uh, my wife, Andrea, just a couple weeks ago, she got this pacemaker. And she's good, doing great. She's doing great. So uh, all of them bring warm greetings to you. Uh, I don't want to say my testimony again and again each uh, time I come here, because then you tell, only thing he can do is to give the testimonies. I can also preach, but what I would preach would be also based upon the things we've done. And just to remind you, uh, well, what we are doing actually in Poland, uh, as, as Russ says, uh, the church is very small. It's a congregation of about 38 ch churches throughout the Poland. And uh, uh, so the church is not big. Uh, if we can have other slides, you will see some of the statistics. Yes, that's Poland, and uh, the Poland is like Minnesota and Wisconsin on together, and the population about 38 million people. But what is important, about 35% of Polish people live under social minimum. So, uh, me, born of a single mother, 16-year-old single mother, abandoned by the mother and by my father, given to my grandma, who adopted me as her child number 12. Grew up in a Christian home, grew up under the blessing of the God's word, preached in a small, tiny countryside church. Uh, when I was 14, my grandmother died, and then I, in this very difficult time of my life, I, re I, I experienced rejection from my parents, again, as they were given the possibility to raise me up and give me some care, they refused. And I was rebellious to God, stopped going to the church, rebellious to the church, rebellious to my aunt who take the foster care for me. And one day she gave me this invitation for the Christian camp. And I went to the camp. And through the mercy of God and through the prayers of believers, I made my own personal decision for Christ. And then I decided to study music. 
But it just happened that I end up at the Bible seminary. <laughs> and uh, I enjoyed that study. One day, the director of the Bible seminary, Daniel Chichotsky, who, who you may know, he asked me if I would like to go and missionary the local towns around Warsaw with the students from the Bible seminary. And we went on the streets and we preached gospel and we gave our testimonies and we would do the sketchboard and a lot of singing, a lot of good music. And through that ministry, people started getting safe. And I felt like a fish in the water. And I thought, that's it. That's the thing I want to do. And I had this um, remaining um, awareness, remaining uh, call from God to, to go and evangelize. So we went to the corner of Poland with my wife. And we decided we will preach the gospel, we teach the Bible, we evangelize. But, you know, it's not so easy to evangelize in a Catholic country. Especially it's not easy to do it among people who are suffering a lot of needs they have every single day. And uh, just tell you that we've preached to the families with 10, 11, 15 children. We've preached to the children which were abandoned by their parents. And we started not only preaching them, but we started feeding them, giving them clothes, giving in them hygienic stuff, giving in some advices, some law uh, advices, some, some help in everyday life so they might see the love of Christ in us. And through that, the church in Novogard came into existence. If we can go through the slides, I just remind you, that's the National Board of Free Evangelical Churches. Let's go further. And that's Poland. And the and the crosses are the churches. The yellow, yellow question marks are the 16, 16 cities of 200,000 people with no evangelical church. And the red ones are another uh, cities with over 100,000 uh, people with no evangelical church. And that's our goal, to start new churches in those places. Uh, let's go further. So that's the church in Novogard. We can go on. and That's, that's the, our board. The, the big one is my son, Jonathan. He's responsible for the youth. He's responsible for the music. He's a drummer player, guitar player, piano player. He plays anything, you know. Uh, he has a saying, I can even play on a barn door. But whatever. Let's go further. Yeah, so that's the meeting room where we meet, and uh, next, yeah, and we started something which is called Christian Help Center. So a year, we'll participate to distribute food for over 800 families in the amount of 120 pounds a year. It's a lot. Even in America, it's a lot. And last 11 years, we've distributed food and other help like clothes, like uh, some hygienic stuff, some furniture and stuff like this for uh, about one million dollars. A small 40 members church in countryside. Let's go further. 
And that's the Christian help center. People come and they get their food. Yeah. So on the table, there's some sugar, some noodles, some uh, canes with meat. And uh, people load, unload the trucks as they come. And then uh, we have a kids club. Like you had, used to have this Hawana program. And uh, that's a kids club program which every Saturday children meet at the church for singing, for playing together, for the Bible story, and for lunch. And lunch is a very important thing. And that's how we developed also the tent mission, which is the next couple uh, pictures. Uh, because it's a mortal sin in Poland to go to the Protestant church, uh, we decided to change it a little bit. So we travel with a tent through the Poland, through all the Poland, and we invite people for their meetings, especially in the morning. Children come and children have their meetings and they have lunch, as you see, which is very important for them. And many children, as they come, the first question is, is there a lunch today? So we feed the children. We feed uh, about 150, 120 to 150 children every day during the summer camps, during the summer kids' clubs under the tent. And uh, we say something to the children. Uh, if you want to come in the evening, you need to come with an adult. So it's very late. And then the families come, and the families come, the parents, grandparents, and get, they get saved. And you know, in Novogard itself, today, f uh, just finished a national conference for the youth. And from our town, there was 14 young people who started coming to our church through the tent mission. And they would never come to the church, but they started to come to the kids' clubs. Let's go on. Yeah, those are the children. I just told the story how the communistic mayor was sharing the Bibles with, with... Do you remember this story? Who remembers that story? Okay, there is a couple of you. So I tell this again. Uh, we have this mayor in our town, and he is a, 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 a former communist, and he is unbeliever. He is an atheist. Actually, he's fighting atheist. But we invited him under the tent, uh, and uh, that last evening we had in the tent... Uh, we invited him, and I invited him on the stage, and I said, listen, Mr. Mayor, maybe you would like to say a couple words. Of course, he wanted, because in two months there was an election. So he spoke to the parents and to the children, those nice political correct words, how great is the free church here in this town, and how we help people, and so on, and so on. And in the end, I said, Mr. Mayor, why don't you just help me to give out the gifts for the children? And we were giving out Bibles. And you know, he felt, he smiled, <laughs> but it was a very plastic smile, like American politicians. <laughs> I would not mention the names. Okay, so, and then we finished with giving out, and I went one step further, and I said, listen, children, maybe you want your Bible be signed by Mr. Mayor. And this guy ended up sitting in the back of the tent by the table for one and a half hour signing the Bibles for the children. Is our God not great? You know, this year we have 20th anniversary of, of the church in Novogard, and we invited Mr. Mayor again. And he said something from the platform which I will never forget. He said one sentence which I will never forget. 
I can't, I can't imagine this town without free evangelical church. And it, it moved me. So the people of this world see the love of Christ in us. And through the love of Christ, they come to know the gospel. And can we go further? Yeah, that's the tent mission evening service. And uh, some more, yeah. And you can recognize this guy, it's me. And my question to you today is, do you want to be a part in that? But before I give you the questions, before I make you to make any decisions, I want to tell you something from the Word of God, which is even more important than my testimony, than things we do, because they answer, the Word of God answers the question, why we do what we do? And I believe that is uh, one of the most important questions we should answer ourselves today, in America, in Poland, wherever we are. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are you here today? Somebody say, I'm a Christian, I'm at the church. Okay, that's a good answer. There's no bad answers, but I want to go deeper with you into the answer of that very interesting question. And let's turn ourselves into the Colossians chapter 2. That also changed in time. I need those. So, then just the Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so he is referring to, to you. If you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, as your personal Savior, Paul speaks to you, to me, to us. Continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And the subject of our today's sermon and the answer to the question why, why is we are doing what we're doing because we are overflowing with gratitude, with thankfulness. And we want to express our thankfulness to God for, for everything He has done to me, to you, by doing what we're doing. The thankfulness is not only an emotion. Like love is not only an emotion. You don't just wake up this morning and say, Oh Lord, I'm thankful to you. And you turn on the, on the side of your bed. You say, Lord, I'm thankful to you, and I go to the church to meet your people, to pray with them, to praise with them, to worship with them, to sing with them, to listen to your word with them. Because it's a part of my gratitude, it's a part of my thankfulness. And as believers, our gratitude should be abundant, should overflow because of the benefits we receive as children of God. Even in the Old Testament, through the whole sacrificial system, Lord, 
God has shown them how to express their gratitude. Did, did God need the sacrifices? No. Actually, people needed to give the sacrifices to show God how grateful they are. And uh, one of the first sins that entered into the world was the sins, sin of ingratitude. When, when uh, Adam and Eve decided that all those things given by God are not enough for them. So gratitude is to acknowledge that everything which is given through Christ alone for our salvation is the ultimate reason for our thankfulness. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, we can read that he has chosen us even before the foundation of this world. Then in Ephesians 2.8, we see that he gave us gift of faith of faith, so we can believe in Him. From the moment we accepted Him as our Savior, the Lord began to develop uh, qualities that produce a grat grateful heart. Paul teaches us that we should be thankful because of uh, five reasons. And all of them are in this verse 6 of the chapter 2, Colossians. First of all, he says, we have a sealed relationship with Christ. Isn't that wonderful? I wish our savings in a bank would be sealed like that. I have no savings, but you've got some, so you wish your savings be so secure as you are in Christ. The moment each one of us trusted the Lord, our relationship with Him is sealed. We're sealed, and we became a child, a children of God. And nobody can change it. You know why? Because it depends on Him. And He is a guarantee for that relationship. Of course, we develop this relationship. We cherish this relationship. And we take care for that relationship. So that's, that fact alone should be the, 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 the create the lifetime of gratitude. Next thing, which Paul mentions here, he says that we can walk in him. Jesus says, I'm the way. So as you walk with him on his path, he made a path for us. You have a nice roads here in America. Some of them, we've been to um, North Dakota, they have so many gravel roads, but still they're nice. But can you imagine winter time where there is uh, so much snow and nobody would plow the snow out of the road? And you have to travel from point A to point B? It's impossible. I, I, I tell you something. I'm grateful for the Lord because He cleans my, He plows my way from those obstacles, from sinful thoughts, 
from sin itself. He clears my way. He helps me to go through on the way of life he's put me on. Isn't that reason to be grateful? Oh, yes, it is. And there he tells us that we have been firmly rooted in Christ. Rooted. You know, there is a tree. And you can have a deep root down to the waters, or you can have this flat root. And the flat root helps when there is a strong wind. So every tree has both deep and flat roots. Uh, each one of you who tried to get some tree out of soil knows how it is hard to do it, especially you here in Minnesota. So when you root it in Christ, that prevents you from falling down, which is very important, especially during the tribulation, during the tests we are going through in our life, during the temptations. And uh, we can stay strong in the Lord if we root it in Him. But if we have only flat roots, we can hunger of a living water. That's why we go into the deep relationship with Christ so we can take all the water out, all the nutrition from Him, all the words of Him, which is a bread of life. And the next thing is very important, that we are not only rooted in Him, so every tree has not only roots, but it has also... What is this in English? Yeah, exactly. You're, you're good in English. And, they, and the, every tree has also branches. So we not only rooted in him, in him but we, we also built up in him. And he's the foundation of our building, of the building of our life. Because if he's not the foundation and the storm comes and we're not rooted in him, the foundation, the building would fall apart. But when you rooted in him, you built up with him, in him. And the salvation is the foundation of our life. And salvation is the foundation of our Christian life. But, as I said, we have a responsibility to build upon this foundation. And the Bible says us that it depends on us what material do we use to build upon him. What is the material? Is it wood? Straw, or is it gold and silver? Is the things we build in our life only survive so long as the wood stuff and the straw stuff? Or would they survive for eternity? And the nice thing about that is that the fifth reason for our gratitude is that we, are, we can be established in our faith. In world of false religious, in world of very different philosophies, 
we can be grounded in the truth of faith. And we recognize any deception, any wrong teaching, because we are in Him. Those five reasons are enough for us to be grateful. But let's see some other reasons. I said already that we are chosen before the word uh, was founded. Wow. Sometimes people think they are so unimportant. And that was me when I was little. You know, I was a little boy, and uh, from, uh, I did not have father, and I did not have mother, and my, my colleagues would make fun of me, saying, eh, fat, fat Protestant, fat Protestant, fat Protestant. You know, if you're the only Protestant in a school, not only in a class, in the whole school, they go like, he's the one. You get this mark. White, fat, Protestant. But I learned something about Christ. That I was so important to him that he has chosen me to salvation before even the world began. Amen. That's something. Maybe you feel yourself so unimportant. I tell you something. You were important. You are important for him. He's chosen you too. We've been chosen to his family. We are indwelled by the Holy Spirit who guides and enables us to do the God's will. Wow. What? What are you telling us? Yes. God himself decided to come into your life through the Holy Spirit and he makes through him things possible in my life. When I was poor, young boy, graduating high school, with very good marks, with no any possibilities in my life, and somebody offered me to study at the Bible seminary in Warsaw, I would never think I would be a preacher. I would never think I would be the pastor. I would never think I would come to America for the fourth time and preach the gospel and preach God's word to his people in America. Uh, if somebody would tell it, Back then, I would say, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Fat chance it, it ever happens. So the Holy Spirit decided to live in me, and even more, he decided to use me as his tool to achieve the things. So the things I do are not my works, are not my ideas, I'm doing what the Holy Spirit drives me to do. But it happens only when I allow him to decide. So that's the reason to be thankful. The eternal security we have, eternal life we have in Jesus Christ, that's the reason to be thankful. And you know, this Holy Spirit is very interesting one. He not only uses me, but he also enables me giving some tools to do that. He has given me some gifts. I don't know how it happens that when I go to, 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 to people I see the first time, I can talk openly with them, and any moment I choose 
to tell them the gospel, they would listen. I don't know. I don't know why God uses me to talk to the broken people. Maybe because I was broken once. Why he uses me to work with those needy people. One day, one of the pastors of our denomination said to me, you should preach to the rich people. You have a gift of preaching. You should preach to the rich people. Then you can get resources and do more for the poor people. And I said, you know what? I grew up with poor people, and I can preach to the poor people. And I, the problem is, when I go to rich people, I, I, I preach to them like they're poor. And some of them offended. But one day, a guy came from the back when I was preaching to the big audience. And he came to me and he says, you know, God's blessed me so much. And many people treat me like somebody very important. But you were preaching today to me as the poorest one of any kind. And you know, and you were right. Because a couple years ago, I went straight from my faith. And even I, I'm blessed financially, I'm poor spiritually. And you know what? This world outside of this church is poor spiritually, even more than financially. And the Holy Spirit enables us, gives us the tools to go to those people and speak the language they understand and speak the truths they need. The problem of today's church is that we are answering the questions nobody asks. We are going to the people and tell them the things they don't want to hear, they don't even need to hear. What they need to hear is that you care, that you love, that things you do, you do because you love them. I was talking yesterday to the men's breakfast and I told them, the love of Christ is a wonderful thing. We have this love vertical to Christ, to Jesus, to God, to his word. We have this love to the fellow brothers and sisters. But the most important tool in evangelism is this love to unsaved people. And that's why we do what we do. And if they see the love of Christ in us, they would listen to us. And they cannot sit and listen to the gospel when they're hungry. And you cannot come to the men or women who has five children and the children have no food or they have no clothes. And they, you, can, you cannot go to them and say only, I will pray for you. You say, I care for you. You bring them shoes. You bring them clothes. You bring them some food. And I know your church does it. I've been to the food shelf many times here. And I see that the American church is doing that correctly. And your church is doing that correctly. And then we have this intimate relationship. Not only with God, which is very important. You know, I don't know how it is with you. But my relationship with God is so intimate. I shouldn't tell this. But I even tell him things I don't tell my wife. Do you think the same? Do you feel the same? Brothers, some of you? At least one? So that I don't feel alone? Good. You know, it's so intimate. He, let, he never let me down. He not always gives me what I'm asking for. 
he's not always meeting all my needs as I imagined they'd be met. But he never let me down. And you know, as David says, I can feel his presence like all over me. Like he's almost touching me from any side of my body. And that's a wonderful feeling. And you're not alone. I have this question today on Facebook from one, one of my friends from Poland. And he says, are you alone? I said, no, I'm not alone. But your wife is in Poland. I said, yes, my wife is in Poland. I miss her, but I'm not alone. Did you find somebody else? <laughs> oh, yes, I did. In 1988, I met a guy who is my Savior and Lord. And that relationship determines everything in my life. Ah, you're starting preaching again was his answer. Yeah, we have this deep, intimate relationship with Christ, who's with us always. He said, I will not forsake you. I'll be with you always. And one day, brothers and sisters, I can't wait. One day, we will see him face to face. And we can ask all those questions we have already. And he'll give all the answers. And then he looks upon me and says, Cesare, how can you ask this stupid question? No, no, he won't do it. He would embrace me and says, my beloved one, welcome to my kingdom. Is that not a reason to be thankful? Is that not a reason to overflow with gratitude? There are some more reasons for that. How much time do we have? Should I finish at... Is there a certain time I should finish? Nobody told me that. Okay. It's your fault. <laughs> he's given us not only joy and forgiveness, but he's given us peace. And I can tell you that this peace is something unbelievable. I went to visit a family with my wife and daughter and son. And you know, boys fast. So we jump out of the car and we cross the street on the other side. And we see our ladies coming on the other side. And then a motorcycle hits between those, them. And I see my daughter falling down on the ground. And I see her, and under her head, a string of blood comes out. And I feel, Lord, if it's your will, I accept it. I run to her, I take her in my arms, and, he started, and she started crying. And I tell you, that was the most beautiful cry I ever heard in her life. But I had peace. I had, the, the, the guy who hit my, my wife and daughter, he was 16-year-old, uh, motorcycle, uh, with no driving license, uh, and the motorcycle was not insured, 
and uh, he's broken his leg as doing that. And I was riding my car with the mother of this boy, and I was giving her peace of Christ, telling everything be okay, everything be all right. We have trust Jesus, everything be okay. And a couple of days later, we met at the police station for our testimonies, how it happened. And she said to me, you're crazy. I said, why? You're either mental or crazy. I said, why? You had such peace. Maybe you have mental problems. You are not emotional. Oh, yes, I am emotional. I can tell you. But at this very moment, God has given me a peace. And he's given me peace many times in my life when other people would say, oh, no. Oh, no. So the peace, the joy, the love, protection. You know, through these 11 years of our ministry, we've been through the situations where the trucks were wrecked with our foot on them. And you know, we had this accident, the truck was wrecked, and not even one glass of tomato sauce was broken. And the truck was wrecked. And the driver was saved. And the, and, and the, and the owner of the company said, I don't know how it happened, but the truck is total disaster, the driver is okay, and the old load is okay. I said, it's my God, it's my Lord. Amen. So, as, do you know this word evaluation? Is that also a popular word now in America? In Poland, they want to evaluate everything. Like, uh, like uh, this young couple, she says to him, let's evaluate our relationship. <laughs> so let's evaluate our gratitude, our thankfulness. People who are thankful, people who have this gratitude are positive people. Those are the people you want to stick with. People, they positive because they are aware of the God's presence in their life. When you know that God is actively involved in what is going on in your life, you're just a peaceful person. You don't bother much. It's his ministry. It's his church. I am his child. I am, we are his family. He takes care of us. And I remember moments in my life when the troubles were big, we uh, just... Two years ago, we had this fee to pay. Uh, we, we overloaded a, a little truck by 18 pounds. 18 pounds. And we went through the scale, and they said, you have to pay $1,000 fee. $1,000 fee in, in, uh, in America, it's not so much, but $1,000 fee in Poland where the social minimum is $350, it's a lot of money. Actually, it's one-third what we need for the transportation costs in a year. And I've written those letters there and there and there to this office and that office saying it's a charity transportation. And they said, no, 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 you have to pay. After Almost two years of writing back and forth, back and forth. Finally, they, 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 the highest 
decision-maker guy wrote me a letter, unfortunately, you have to pay. You know what? And I thought, okay, we have to pay. And we paid. We put our private money into that. A couple of days later, a guy comes to me and he says, you know, I've heard about your problems. I have a transportation company and I know how they are. And if you don't mind, we will take over this fee for you. Is my God not great? It's his ministry. It's his church. It's his charity. It's not my charity. It's not evangelical charity. It's God's charity. And his charity is every day, single day to me. And he takes care of my problems. He is in charge in my life. And the only problems occur when I somehow decide, oh, let's take the, chair, uh, let's take the charge for this week. And if I take a charge in my life for one week, I create more problems in one week than in one year with him. That's how it goes. So people who are uh, grateful, uh, they aware of God's presence. They, they humble. You know, if you know that everything depends on him and he is providing, you don't take a credit for that. It could be very obvious, me coming to America and saying, it's me, I've done it. My people done it because I was leading them. No, no, it's not me at all. It's him. Sometimes I'm even amazed how he runs those things. And sometimes I, I feel like I'm so limited and I'm asking, Lord, please call somebody else to do it because my imagination is so limited and I believe it should grow bigger, but I'm not the one who puts that on the next level. Bring somebody else. So people who are grateful, they humble. They acknowledge that he is the source of every good. He is the source of every good thing. And nothing can happen without him. They're peaceful. They trust. And they stay in peace. And one thing, they're thoughtful of others. Gratitude makes us sensitive to the needs of other people. When you're grateful... You don't think much about yourself. When you're grateful, when you overflow, when your cup is overflowing, as Psalmist says. Just, just make an analysis. When the cup is overflowing, what does it mean? That the, this what's inside doesn't stay inside. Really? It goes to other people. It overflows to other people. And that's what we are. We Christians are the people who are not keeping all those things God has given us within the church. We have the church buildings. We have the walls. We have the roofs. But what we have is going out to this world. To the people over there. We want to bless them with every spiritual and Material blessing we have. We pray for them. We care for them. We give them gospel. We give them food. We give them uh, um, our 
emotional, uh, I'm looking for the English word. Uh, when somebody dies, you go and you give condolences. What's this? Sympathy. Yeah, that's the exact word. We give them sympathy, but we also uh, give them some good, nice children's program. It goes both ways. I don't know, maybe here not. I think, yes. But that's what we discovered in Poland, and that's not something new we discovered in Poland. So we're thoughtful of others, we're generous in giving. It's not like I go to my pocket and say, oh, again I have to spend those five dollars for the poor people. Oh, my lovely five dollars, I would never see you again. I say, Lord, thank you for the five dollars you've given us. And I know you. You can take those five dollars and make it into five thousand dollars. And tell you something. The church we have in Novogard is very limited in budget. But when you see this one million dollar in 11 years, so you have to divide it by 13.1, 13.1 times, because every one zloty or every one dollar brings a help in the amount of 13.1. I wish we, we have this in our banks. Within 10 years, 1,300% interest. But it's not our interest, it's his interest. He's multiplying that, and that's great. So we're generous, we're unselfish, we think about other people, we express our love, we're not like muse sitting in a church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodbye. And we go home. We express our love, our emotions, we express our care to other people, we motivate it, and we both motivate it, and we also motivate other people to do it. You know, if you have something to do, it's, it's, it will be done very good if you do it yourself. I have this feeling, yeah? If I do it, it's done perfectly. But I can do just so much. If I can take five people to do it with me, with me we can do it so much, maybe not as good as I would do it, but we do more. When we have 50 people, we go even bigger. So we motivate other people. And that's also the reason I came here, to motivate you, not only in supporting Poland Evangelical Mission. Uh, Russ, sorry for me telling that, but I'm not only for that purpose. I want to motivate this church, this fellowship, these people to do bigger things here. So today my question to you is, would you like to be a part of that? If you would, consider yourself praying for the mission in Poland, supporting the missionaries, the projects, and the people in Poland. Go to Poland. Accept Polish pastors, Polish preachers here, and create a strategic partnership. If you have more questions, we'll be there outside. But for each one of you, I have a gift. Maybe not very expensive, but Julie made those nice bookmarks with a picture of our family 
and the calendar for next year on the back. Just take them, they're on the table outside, take them, they for free, and as you open your Bible, please pray for Poland, please pray for Novogard, please pray for me often. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Cesari. What a motivation. What an inspiration. Thank you for sharing God's word and our challenge. It's not just in Poland. The opportunity, obviously, is here in Kokato, in Howard Lake, in Waverly, in the mission field that God has called you to. Would you join me as we uh, spend some time in prayer? We thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for the presence of your spirit in our midst here. We have felt your spirit moving. You've challenged our hearts by the words of our brother who's come to speak on your behalf. We thank you for his devotion, for his love for you, his genuine service, for the way you have changed him, transformed him, and given him a, a passion for his people. We thank you for the, the forwardness of his word, the reality of the truth that he shares. God, we cling to that too, and we thank you again for the encouragement that we have received today. We thank you and praise you for the ministry that's happening. We need to be reminded about the things in the world that are happening and going on, the missionaries that are affecting lives, that are carrying your word to people who are in need, and how your spirit is moving in the world, transforming lives, calling your chosen to, to home, to an eternal relationship with you. We thank you, Father, that one day we will see you as you truly are. All of our questions will be answered in that moment when we stand before our Savior and Lord. We thank you for your promise. We thank you for the gratitude, Lord, that that creates within our lives. Let that thanks and gratitude be contagious, be evident. Motivate us to serve and to love those who are poor, those who are lost, all of those who your word says are so important. God, we love you and we thank you. We praise you for your testimony. We praise you for your work in this world and in, the, in our lives. Thank you for leading our paths, for making our way straight. Thank you for plowing the road before us. Father, now we lift up those who are in need, many of those who even today have just become come to our awareness or our knowledge. We thank you for the, meeting the needs of those who love you as we face sometimes trials in life and sometimes those challenges and fears. We thank you for your promise of your presence. You will never leave us nor forsake us. Father, give us an attitude and an idea of the reality that our destiny is sure, that our eternity is in a, a wonderful and amazing that, Father, even though we face these days of trials and temptations here in this earth, that this is not our home. We are your ambassadors en route to our eternal home with you. We give you glory, Lord, for all that you've accomplished in our lives. And now, Father, as we ask the ushers, as they come forward and we prepare our hearts to give back to you financially as you have so abundantly blessed us.
create in us a heart filled with gratitude out of abundance and overflowing that we give. We ask, Lord, too, that you would bless those who are the givers and that the gifts given would be used to further your kingdom here in this community and in the world. Bless the ministers in PEM as they serve. Bless those who are called to be evangelists in a world where they're a very, very small minority. But we ask for a movement of your spirit within the lives and hearts of people throughout the world, particularly today in Poland. We love you, Lord, and we ask that you give us guidance and direction. Help us, Lord, to walk faithfully and to live for you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We have a couple of ministry announcements or sharing this morning. Jolene and Carrie would come forward. Good morning. For those of you who might not know me, I am Carrie Nelson. I am currently the uh, deacon of congregational care here at Elam. And for the past year and a half, I've had the privilege of serving with Jolene Lund, who is directing our women's ministries here. And today, we are so excited to share with you what's happening in women's ministries. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, which makes the body grow, so it builds itself up in love. Ela Mission Church exists for the purpose of helping people come to know Christ, grow in faith, and become engaged in ministry. Our women's ministry seeks to work alongside and in accordance with the leadership of the church. Our vision is to see our women's ministry exist to declare the supremacy of Christ, and we envision the congregation of Ela Mission Church to be a people called of God who love Jesus and follow his command to be disciple makers. Our vision is to lead women to embrace the great assurance and hope of their identity in Jesus Christ and to claim and enjoy satisfaction in him. Our vision is to treasure Christ together through prayer, study and application of the word, fellowship and serving one another. Our vision also is to encourage and equip the older women to be examples and teachers of the younger women. Our vision, finally, is committed to raising up women who exemplify biblical womanhood. Elam's core values are the Women's Ministry Foundation, and they're also close to God's heart because they come straight from Scripture. If you've never read Elam's core values, I encourage you to do so.